0: Hey, what's up guys Trey back here at trail Wolf and welcome back to another episode of the true blue show. And first off I want to start this off by making a quick apology I've been away from uh, the microphone for a good bit both on twitch and on. Um, The True Blue Show, basically, a lot of things have been going on in life. Um, I had a wisdom tooth surgery um, a little over a week ago, so I kind of been recovering from that. Obviously, talking a bunch is not super feasible when you have your whole mouth healing and everything like that. So I do apologize um, for having to be back, um, for gone for a while and everything like that. I've also been dealing with uh, some job stuff, with some new live stuff, but y'all will probably be happy to hear. Some good things have been happening in you boys' life. So, little life update: one, I got a new woman in my life and I'm spending a lot of time with her lately. So, you gotta love that kind of stuff for you helps mental health, helps um, fill up your free time and everything like that. Sadly, it takes me away from the microphone a little bit, but also I finally I have been for those who might follow my story a little bit. I've been looking for a new full time job after losing mine back in January for a long time, and I got a full time offer last week um, and I accepted it um, with a pretty good company so I'm very happy to be starting that in the near future so good things are coming in life and I've just been dealing with all that but I'm trying to make time for coming back and everything because this is the summer of content so just want to get that out of the way but I want to introduce um, or reintroduce um, our most capped guest here on the byline our boy Andres or at rep underscore Andres. Andreas, thank you again for coming onto the pod with me.
1: Oh man, it's it's always a pleasure when when you always, when you reach out. It's it's easy to find the time to to hop back on the podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I'm always appreciative of how easy you are to come onto the pod and just fill in. Uh, unfortunately, Wes can't be here with um, us tonight. He had a family obligation, so we do look forward to having him back on the show soon enough. But today we are talking about the summer blues. Nice little kind of metaphor there. It could mean a lot of things. It could mean your Chelsea boys. It could be sad things going on and everything. And you know what? It just literally means all of that. So we're talking about the summer blues. Now, first thing I want to do also, or I guess the second thing, um, on a plug, a little thing of my own on my Twitch channel. Um, if you follow me on Twitter at Trail Wolf, which I'm assuming you do, because this is kind of how I publicize the show and everything. <laughs> I have a uh, Twitch channel called Trailwolf. Wolf. Basically, Trey Wolf is my brand. So that is how I put myself on everything. And if you don't follow me on Twitch yet, you should. Um, I'm a big FIFA streamer. Um, I try to do a lot of other things, but FIFA basically dominates my time. And even though I always say I'm about to be done with this game, I'm about to put it away for a while. I never do. I'm all talk. So if you like FIFA, I'm the guy to go watch on there and everything. But if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen that today I announced my – well, I kind of announced this a little before, but it was more of a tease – I announced that I'm starting to plan my FIFA 22 series, which is always a Chelsea oriented series. And it's called the Chelsea checklist 2.0 extended titles, Chelsea checklist 2.0 champions of Europe edition, because you got to always rub that in, but you can't fit that in really a Twitch stream title, but basically um, just to, I want to plug my own series and everything that if you were like uh, watching uh, Chelsea streamers and everything like that, I would highly recommend while FIFA 22 is out going on Twitch, watching me interacting Um rooting me on because um, basically what I'm going to give you is kind of like an intro and explanation of what the series is here. This is kind of like, if you're listening to this, this is like your inside uh, look at it. And I will probably be doing an, another announcement video as FIFA 22 comes out further along um, with all the updates in the news and everything, leaked ratings, stuff like that, to where I will actually explain the series. But essentially, what I have done in the past years is I did the Chelsea checklist, uh, the first one, which was on FIFA Nat 20. And FIFA 21 this past year, I did Chelsea past and present where I basically both those series were kind of collecting series where I try to collect the best players um, for Chelsea, all their best cards, best icons and everything. The first year I only did like, I think it was Lampard, Essien, and um, I think it might've been Drogba. It might've been the one Drogba that came out that year. And then this past year I upped it and I, threw in loads more icons i threw in desi makalele Balak, zola uh check who was a big one that came out and everything like that and then basically i've made two endgame squads that are chelsea past legends and a few uh special players and then a bunch of uh chelsea current ones well fifa 22 is not going to be about collecting players because i can pack a georginio and i can be like yeah i got a georginio throw him in the club, throw him in SBC. You never touch him. He never sees the light of day. Well, that's, what's different about the FIFA 22 series. Chelsea checklist 2.0 is now it's not checking off and saying, yeah, I got this guy in my club. It's about checking off challenges and just objectives to grind throughout the game for every Chelsea player on the main squad. So unfortunately Billy Gilmore will not be on it, sadly, because he is on a loan spell at Norwich uh, for the next season. Um, But he will will make the squad eventually just as players to as a player to play along other people. But basically, I always have to have the Chelsea player that I'm working on in the squad. And um, a caveat of the series is that I can only use players I've completed every challenge for I've set for myself. Now, if you um, saw the announcement, you would have seen the Kai Havertz one, which is not totally confirmed, but basically it's a template for how the challenge card will look. Now, say I am playing with Reese James or something like that, and I pack myself a Timo Werner, and I'm going crazy. Timo Werner, he's an Electric Pace. It's going to be great for me to use and everything like that. I can't use Timo until I've completed every player between Reese James and Timo Werner. So basically he's just going to sit there in my club or I I could throw him into an SBC and, and because basically I can't use him. He's literally untouchable. I could pack Drogba and I can't use him until I get all the way to him. So this is kind of the incentive that I have to use every player Chelsea has, including Jorginho, who's not a very usable card at the base, but, Damn, at the end game, he gets a nice <laughs> card. He's pretty usable. That's a god player right there like that. But yeah, that's the fun. The fun part is this is supposed to push me to use players that I might not use normally. I might just sit pack and say, yeah, I have this player from Chelsea in my club. Nah, we're doing normal player challenges. We're doing nation challenges. We're doing career challenges that I really want the audience to help me out with. Andreas um, made the Mason Mason Mount challenges for me today. I think his career challenges was like get 10 man of the matches with mason Mount or something like that and there the the nation challenges was like link up some english uh players with that a couple of times it's gonna be stuff like that i'm gonna have loads of challenges trying to determine how many to make it because this is supposed to go all throughout the cycle so basically um it's gonna be about middle to end of september probably end of july and this is gonna include icons and everything like that icons are gonna have much larger objectives as well so That it's it's a grind thing, so I'm trying to determine how many challenges to put in. And I would love on Twitter if y'all would find the post, interact with it, post some challenges. If you got a favorite player, if Georgino is your favorite and everything like that, you got something good, make some Jorginho challenges. I thought about doing like an Italian one, like make like call it A plus Passer. He's got it, you have to get uh, fi- 15 passes in a game uh, for a certain amount of games and he has to have a 90% uh, passing uh, accuracy or something like that. Something fun. I'm tr- I'm trying to make it extra so it makes it a challenge for me. And when I say every player's in the roster, if Armando Brogia does not go on loan and he ends up getting into the Chelsea squad and he's a bronze card, you know who's the first person I got to use? It's Armando Brogia. So <laughs> just a fun way to start that. But I want to plug that series. That's how it's going to work. I'm really excited for it. I'm Just in the planning stages because we still have about uh we'll call it two months until fifa 22 will come out and that two months is going to go painstakingly slow i know it's but that's out of the way we always get to a fun question of the episode you'll always know that's coming andreas knows it's coming and even though he's been on here i think three times now um i always have to make a fun question for him when i have a guest on so andreas coming off the fifa 22 uh plug right there your question of the episode if you could have any Chelsea card thrown into your account at the start of every game, as long as they are still at Chelsea, who would it be? And there's different ways you can think of this because obviously everyone's like, "Oh, I want a Conte. I would obviously want a Conte." But if Conte right. only has like two years left at Chelsea, or I mean, then you could, or you could pick someone like Mason Mount, who's probably going to be there for several yeah. years, but he could only, he might only be like 82 rated at the start of this game. So take it away. What do you? What's your thought process here? <sighs> um reese james reese james that you know okay so i thought of this question when i was at work today and reese james was the first answer that popped into my head too because english premier league right back very well balanced it's gonna go higher he's gonna he's basically gonna evolve into what trent um alexander arnold is on the game right now rating wise. probably faster probably he's gonna be faster. he's gonna have better stats than trent but he's gonna evolve to that rating within a few years and he's young. So that was my first answer. And
1: he's already early game meta. So if I can get a Reese James to start every time, that means that I can have, even if it's like a back pocket thing, enough of a premier league base to where, you know, if you get lucky and get an informed Rashford, or if you get lucky and get someone like, I hate him in real life, but like a Bruno Fernandez or Fernand, excuse me. So those are yellow links to, to Reese James and he has longevity. Like you said, Mason Mount's probably not quite meta yet until they give him the right work rates and, and that sort of thing. So I'd say Reese James based on his FIFA 21 card. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if, and if, if you get anything close to his future stars card, he's going to be absolutely any right. material at the very start. So that's something that's a great shout. And that is like what I first thought of. And I was like, you know what? I feel like he's going to pick Mason or Reese. So I definitely need to come up with another answer just in case. And I thought, okay, so I wouldn't say Conte because Conte might have like two years left or so, but I would say between Kai and Timo, I think Kai would last a little longer, even though Timo would be like the one you probably want with the pace and everything. I would want one of the two, but I would pick Kai probably just for longevity. And I see him overall getting a higher rating. Like he would probably be the next Chelsea player to hit 90 rating. Um, out of anybody, I think.
1: I agree with that. It also would be nice to get someone that you can easily hybrid. So, you know, a lot of great players in the game are in German internationals. So, having him allows you to hybrid in a Bundesliga team or a few Bayern Munich players. And with the new things they're depl- deploying for FIFA 22 just because he's not as fast as Timo, maybe these new animations will make Kai feel a little bit more swift in his movement. Like he is in real life. So that's a good shout.
0: And I I love having you on because of your FIFA knowledge and everything (laughs) you knew exactly where I was about to go with it because the Bundesliga is always a great starting league and everything at the beginning of the game, they always have great young, uh, not sorry, young, just lower rated players. They're normally meta in some way and like that. So um, Having one of the Germans on, on our team being able to link into the Bundesliga would probably be a good way to make a hybrid or something. It was exactly what I was thinking. So I'm glad you explained that for me and everything like that. <laughs> so I ideally I would say Kai because if I'm committing to Kai now, I could easily see him. He's probably going to be, for as much as he missed the season, he did score a Champions League winning goal and everything. And he did get a hat trick against Barnsley, I think. In the game. <laughs> season so that's a plus two rating right plus two rating
1: he was he was close to another one against uh was it crystal palace or was it everton he was unlucky i think one of his goals counted as an own goal and then i mean yeah he he, this the final third of the season for kai havertz was really good but also really unlucky like he could have had that goal against madrid but he had the crossbar i mean i can find so many like inches away from another magnificent goal for him So I have high hopes for him.
0: Yeah, so definitely I think Kai Havertz would be a good one to invest in. And I, you know, okay, just before we transition out of this, let's make a quick prediction. If you have to say a FIFA in a year, how long do you think it would take Kai Havertz to reach 90 rated? Assuming he would. I would say FIFA 25.
1: I was going to say... Twenty five or twenty six, I'd say it's either, it's between the next Euro Cup and the next World Cup. So not the Qatar World Cup, but I'm talking about the the North American World Cup. So between the Germany Euros and that World Cup, I'd 24 say twenty four and twenty six. Yeah, that range could be a realistic one because I assume that the the top players in the game will be Holland and Mbappe by then, and and you would think that by then Kai is is a top five, top ten hopefully talent
0: if the world cup is summer 2026 here then fifa 27 would be about to release so 26 would be preceding the yeah the yeah. year preceding it so yeah 26 and then yeah. 25 would be the year um right as would be the game the rest right 20 uh, euros 2024 ends so yeah, yeah. So i'd it's say between sh- 25 and 26 okay so we'll probably end that i do think even if it's not at Chelsea, I do think that Kai Havertz will reach 90-rated eventually. I think he just has a ceiling maybe higher than that too. I don't. I think nobody has surpassed 92 besides Messi and Ronaldo. I don't think, um, as far as like gold rares go, I don't mm-hmm. think Lewandowski or Neymar have surpassed 92 gold um, gold standards.
1: Yeah, and I don't think they will either.
0: Probably not. Um, but um, so yeah. there's your little FIFA part of the podcast. You know, we love talking about it. I'll probably end I eventually want to have like a dedicated FIFA episodes to talk, uh, talk shop more about FIFA. Maybe we'll introduce that more as FIFA 22 comes along. Maybe just do like promo review, stuff like that. Hopefully get a niche audience who likes FIFA, but let's transition to our blues of the news segment. So for this blues of the news um, segment, we're going to talk about our outgoing transfers that we had. And that's kind of be kind of a big staple of the episode is um, the youth going out and everything like that this is going to be everyone that's gone out so far though so let's uh in memoriam thank you for your service everyone let's uh go down the list and see who's gone the Tomori tamori for 26 this is in pounds as well for 26 million to Milan, that one hurt because it probably should have been sold for more mark gookie all of a sudden came out of left field So many of us were hyping him up for this season. So many of us were ready for Mr. Mark Gurley to come to the squad. Maybe if Zuma went out just to deputize someone. And then Crystal Palace just come in with a lucrative offer in 20 mil for at his age right now. He's only 21. He's not had any minutes in the Premier League, but he just did enough. And the fact that Crystal Palace had 20 mil to spend on a defender honestly kind of boggles me. Because I really didn't think they had that kind of cash just for, just for a 21-year-old defender. But clearly, they must rate him a lot. But thank you. So, and ouch, because I really didn't want Gurkhan to go. That that one tugs at heartstrings, I swear. Um, Victor Moses, 4 mil Spartak Moscow snatched him up after his loan spell. Moses obviously capped off, I believe, um, his career with an FA Cup and a Premier League uh, title. Um, under Antonio Conte. Now, just a little side tangent, if Moses was still at that age and, like, say he was frozen in time under Conte, do you think he would be what we need behind Reese James right now in the squad? Um, Yeah.
1: I think that he would... uh, He probably wouldn't mind getting the secondhand minutes if it was one of those things where he could, like, see what his future looked like, maybe. Um, I know that when we got sorry and we gave up on the back three and then of course fast forward three years later and here we are now. Uh, so yeah, I mean, had he stayed in a system with the wing back, I think probably Reese would have still beat him for that starting spot. But again, he would have had a more, a longer foundation here with the club and he probably would still be around as a backup.
0: Yeah, it probably would And we probably would have seen Queta being like the starting right center back for a long time had we never changed out that system. So he wouldn't be like cycling with Reese for the right wing back spot um, for that spot. But and then, oh, God, this one hurts a lot too. Olivier Giroud also going to Milan. Milan literally turning into Chelsea B because they were also rumored for Hakim Ziyech, but there's nothing concrete about that. But the Zerud one was so weird because we triggered an extension clause and then we sold him for $1 million plus, like, another million or so in, like, add-on fees or bonuses. <laughs> I don't know. but <laughs> We were just like, we just don't want to let him go for free, but we'll still let him go. I guess money's money, right? I guess I don't know what $2 million gets you in terms of wages, maybe, like, a few months for someone. Month. I mean,
1: I think it was one of those things where, like, this was apparently agreed upon in April that he would stick around. And then winning the Champions League and the expectations going through the roof, he was like, yeah, there's no way I get minutes next year. So at that point, he's like, look, I did everything for you guys. Just let me go.
0: Yeah. And honestly, the thing I will say about anybody leaving from the first team squad right now, they are leaving on the best of terms after the best type of win possible. So. I think there's not going to really be any hard feelings for people that leave because if there was ever a transitioning point to where you could move on to another club or something like that, after the Champions League win, leaving uh, the club with that and contributing, obviously Giroud did enough doing a four-goal stunner against Sevilla and then and a bicycle kick worldie, which apparently didn't even get nominated for goal of the tournament uh, in the Champions League. It didn't Don't even make why. it
1: to the promo of the Champions League. It Don't... didn't make it as a highlight.
0: Yeah, we're not gonna not gonna extend on that. We'll be here for another twenty minutes just on the topic. But Giroud, he has given us literally. He only scores bangers. He literally, he's like Kovacic, except he scores and he only scores bangers. Show me a boring Giroud goal. I have. I can't see a boring Giroud goal. His top ten goals that um, highlight compilation that someone made phenomenal. Just. And I I think it was against Southampton, the the stumbling dribble goal. Yes, in the (laughs) FA Cup. Beautiful. And I think the the number one was the overhead kick against Atletico Madrid. And it's probably just the context of it. Because literally what I um, have said before is that that kick, I think, is what jump-started the Champions League run. Because I think we really, maybe not the team, but the fan base at least, we're in a mental wall when it came to Atletico Madrid. Maybe we thought they were favorites um, for the tournament. Maybe we were like, oh, this is going to be our toughest, this is going to be our Bayern and everything. So we're like, if we don't get, if we get past them, we'll do it barely. But we, I would say we won convincingly honestly yeah. against them. We didn't concede a goal. We didn't have a shot on target, I think, in the, in the f- second game or the first game, one of them. But, and then that goal, that winner goal was what I think literally jump started the Champions League belief that maybe we can do this because it's the magic. It's the magic of that goal to say it's possible. All you need is hope. All you need is rude. So (laughs) Rude, Come to FC Dallas. Just leave Milan, please. We need you.
1: I think he's built for inter Miami. I could just see the announcement video of him being in like a Magnum P.I. Hawaiian shirt, just like on a speedboat like being attractive, Giroud, like it's just perfect.
0: Yeah, because the world, what the world really needs, is an Olivier Giroud, Gonzalo Higuain partnership up top.
1: I mean, I don't think the world expected a Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Olivier Giroud partnership in the Serie A either.
0: What do you mean a partnership? They play one up top. I'm pretty sure Giroud's taking Zlatan's spot easily. We'll see. Zlatan, go retire. It's Giroud's time. <laughs> Let the young guns come in. <laughs> Yeah, if there, and also just Roots more handsome than Zlatan. Yeah, Zlatan, I hope you of hear. Of course. This. So okay, going on. We're gonna now. Here's uh, I'll actually kind of conclude on with like more senior players. Marco van Ginkel. I have a soft spot for Marco van Ginkel. I, I real. There's no reason to really have a soft spot for him except that he's gone through hell just with injuries and everything like that. But he's had some great times at PSV and everything. Went back to them on a free. Just became captain of PSV. He was too. their captain
1: while on loan.
0: Yeah, he was their captain while on loan, and now he's captain again. If that doesn't tell you anything, I don't know what does, but people were calling him like a kind of a Dutch Frank Lampard or kind of so Um, back in when, like, this was like 2013 or 14, back when he was, like, early uh, loan spells and stuff he like that. Test, but yeah. He had a lot of promise and everything, but, you know, it's kind of same to Ruben. Just, like, you get this long string of injuries, and then all of a sudden it just starts going down and down. But Marco Van Ginkel to PSV, done and dusted. I'll miss you, Marco. I've always loved having you in my club just because he was a meme a bit because he was supposed to be good and everything, but he just couldn't stay healthy and and he's like, Ugh. he had a Chelsea card but he never played for Chelsea, really. Right. So, sad to hear that. Um, Caballero and um, Jamal Blackman both released, um, I believe, by the club, so they don't have clubs right now. Um, Willie, thank you for your service and everything. I think the highlight i don't know why but just thinking about willie caballero all i think about is the man city final in the the, uh carabao cup (laughs) (laughs) he didn't even play with keppa but that's the first thing i think of when i think of willie caballero is him on the bench just like arms raised and be like what the hell's going on (laughs) keppa's like no i got this and he's like no you don't (laughs) but well i like willie a lot willie's just a good guy he had a lot of great character and he and he's, he, 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 he's, he's been reliable, especially when Kepa had that spell where he just got dropped and no one trusted him. And Willie came in he just, he looked good. He looked good for us. Yeah. So, he was our
1: starting keeper at the end of Lampard's first year.
0: Yeah. Which was a bold move on Lampard's part, but we see your top four. So thank you, Willie, for your service. Jamal Blackman. I can honestly say, I did not see you play in a Chelsea kit <laughs> ever. So, but I know you were sure for years on end. Um, and then here's a name. If you can tell me who this is, I'll appreciate it. Because I genuinely have no idea who this guy is. His name is Danilo pa- Pantic. Yes.
1: Okay. Pantic was a striker out of one of these Yugoslavian nations. It's like Superliga? Is it, is it Croatian? Is he Croatian?
0: I genuinely don't know. We signed him like... He, he went uh, to a team I'm called sure. parza part
1: part okay, yeah, part listen yeah that's a europa league side so um he was signed i want to say like after the champions league and one of those yeah when we could have like 60 lone army players it's yeah Total i remember days. that name
0: i somehow this name slid my mind for several years and everything like that i i've always i thought we not marco van Ginkel was the meme but this guy should be the meme because i literally didn't know who he was um and then izzy brown um, uh, izzy brown is a striker i believe isn't he yeah, yeah and um he, he's more of a younger guy is he 25 26 by right now i mean or so? he,
1: yeah yeah he was he was at one point supposed to be the next you know typical hyping up our own players he was supposed to make it at one point wasn't everybody cam or at winger yeah
0: but uh, he went to Preston sadly just also suffered a big Achilles injury i think it was yeah I Achilles saw that or on something his so very sad for him i'm wishing him a speedy recovery um, as far as other transfers i think that's it for all the more senior side now okay this might be a senior player but i genuinely have never heard of this dude but he did not look young who is Jake Wakeley center back
1: Wakeley um yeah, I honestly don't know at what point we started loaning him, but he—I've never seen him have a chance in the first team. There's been center backs who had far more potential that didn't make it, like Clark Salter. So, yeah, Wakely, good riddance, best of luck. <laughs> I yeah, that one I—I I thought po- he was gone a while ago.
0: He posted a goodbye picture with several trophies, and I was just like, "What are those from the youth league?"
1: Man, yeah, the Champions League for the youth. I mean, he was part of it. I think he was teammates with Tammy at one point. I, yeah.
0: You see, he looks older. Like, he didn't look young. And then, I, like, I can say, say, honestly, guys, I love the academy. I love supporting them. I might not know who everyone is, but I know a good few people. That guy wasn't one of them. Didn't know him. Somebody do know those, Ike Ugbo, uh, who I believe uh, is it Club Rouge or is it the other one? I think that's Club Bruges he played. No?
1: Yeah, he was at Circle Bruges. Circle not Bruges. The, yeah, the other
0: yep. one. Yeah, I figured it was one or the other. But yeah, um, it looks like, looks like he is the green one. <laughs> the green, not the blue one. Um, he's going, it looks like, I don't think it's confirmed just yet, but it's nearly confirmed. That it looks like he's going to be going um, on a permanent basis um, to Circle Bruges. Um, also looking to leave miles pert Harris is that is his name miles
1: uh I, I believe so let me I, double I think, check it's yep, miles. miles miles pert-
0: with a y okay miles with a y fancy miles pert Harris um is he a striker I think he's a striker right attacking midfielder the attack midfield okay because I read that he was like the leading sc- um goal scorer for the development squad last season with 11 goals or so so I thought and uh, like I was like wasn't the main man uh jue Bell? up top at that
1: man honestly I, I couldn't tell you i have here that he scored seven goals in 2021
0: in the premier league too so only seven oh, okay I, mean, I overrated him a little bit well um it looks like he could be out the door um i don't know who he might be linked with um per se now uh, lewis bates which looks just nearly confirmed basically everyone's saying Tomorrow he will be confirmed as a Leeds United player, or probably today, based on when you're listening to this. Um, for 1.5 mil, seems like a steal for Leeds. Kind, that's a uh, disappointing. We're not going to talk too much about the, the youth just now, um, but we're basically just saying he's going. Um, and then the last one is not is a rumored going out maybe to Brighton is Tino mm-hmm. Livermore. That one's going to hurt them. I think I don't know what will hurt most. Guri or Tino leaving for me? I, I, it's hard to say. I'm not going to really pick, but all I'm going to say is that Tino. If if Tino's really thinking about leaving, please Tuchel, see it in your heart to just play him this season. Maybe he changes his mind before January and before like another uh, team tries to contract him.
1: I think the the decision's been made because Dujon Sterling is the one that's going to be getting a new contract at right wing back. So. Um, in terms of which one hurts more, I think the easy answer is Tino Livramento. We have seven names ahead of Mark Gurhi to play at a center back position. There's only one name ahead of Tino Livramento to play right wing back. So, yeah, that one's the one that hurts for me.
0: Yeah, and obviously there was a huge like debate of sign Hakimi or promote Tino and everything like that. Um, and then also there was a domichari kind of rumor and everything like that. But people were saying one of the main arguments for wanting to sign Hakimi is He's a world class um, upgrade. Now, when I say upgrade, I mean upgrade into the depth chart and a position, not necessarily like, oh, he's definitely gonna—he's so much better than Reese James, Noth- nothing like that. But yeah. like, like he would have like, when you look at it, we only have a one depth at right wing back, like a true right wing wing. And Reese James isn't even a true right wing back; he's a right back, same as um, Ben Chilwell, who's done their best to work into a wing back role and done a very good job. But um, obviously, we were talking about okay, if we were gonna sign someone. We need to only sign a world class player. Adamitori is not that. And also, Adamitori is not a wing back, really. He he's built like a tank, but I guarantee you, dude, he's a winger. He he's an out and out winger. So and I maybe and people said, Well, that's what we need. We need a more offensive player, uh, playing on the wings or something like that. I was like, Well, that's the case, just play Callum. I mean, he's already played a right wing back a little bit. If you're just looking for someone who's more a winger style, they're just like a throw another winger and cheating on it, just throw Callum on. Shoot. I mean. I mean, we already did it. I mean, there's no point in signing a Like, All they say is that's that's not an upgrade. That's a FIFA signing. That's you saying, oh, I'd love to have him in that squad. Oh, he'll work great there. That's a FIFA signing. But yeah, so we won't spend too much time on that. But that's basically the blues in the news. Everyone who's been confirmed or um, just on the edge of the door of uh, leaving, people are saying their goodbyes. And we're going to talk about the youth exodus a little more in this. But um, we're going to address one, um, one of our first questions. We actually, our questions are going to guide our episode a good bit today um, because um, we got a lot more than I was um, expecting. So sad as it sounds, but very happy with how many we got. So first one comes in from our boy, Jam. Jam, love you, dude. Hope you're doing well. Our at carefree underscore Jam, as y'all might know him. And he asks us, who will be the next Chelsea player to leave? And, um, Andreas, I saw you comment on him. So for this question, we're going to say... Someone who is not a youth player. We'll say someone from the squad. So um, who do you think is probably the next closest player to leaving? I don't think I'm going to get
1: many friends from this, but I think it's Tammy Abraham. I think that the only reason we haven't heard advanced talks with any club is because Chelsea's trying to secure a striker before dealing him away learning from past mistakes but yeah if it's not a youth player realistically speaking we yes we're going to try to sell zapacosta and all those names but i I don't really count them as part of the squad anyway so i'll say in terms of the team that was part of the season last year tammy abraham
0: no and that's definitely fair i would say a top three so my i'll give you my top three of who i think are the not necessarily in order, but the top three to go out next, Tammy, obviously one, two is my pick for who I think will go out next. I'm actually going to say Emerson. I'm actually going to say Emerson because it's looking, I don't know what the credibility of the source is, but it looks like he's putting in a transfer request and yeah. Napoli is his most heavily favored target. As of right now, there's not been a bid yet. There's not been super concrete talks It's a little more rumored, but call it maybe semi-reliable rumors, um, and the reason I would put Emerson over Tammy is because, like you said, I don't think Tammy is going to be sold until we get um, a replacement striker. And That's I fair. think, and I think the replacement striker is actually going to trail out into mid-August or so. Like I think the the transfer window closes September first. Is that true?
1: Yeah, we still have "quote unquote" time. I mean, yeah. I'd rather have two months instead of one, but yeah, I yeah. believe it's early September.
0: Yeah, so as I, if I'm to do a little prediction or anything what I think is going to happen I think um I think preseason you're going to see Tammy in there you're going to see him making his way but you're also eventually going to see Kai and Timo taking the reins up top and yeah. seeing who does the best up there and if Timo comes out guns blazing for some reason if he found his feet again Tammy's good as gone like because I you almost know, guarantee Tuko will play uh, Timo up top um and then maybe play mounted Kai in behind or Pulisic and um, Mount, but I wouldn't be surprised if Kai also is banging out there. I'd say he's probably ahead of Timo. And then I'd say Timo probably gets ahead of Pulisic. And then you see a Timo, Um, T- I keep saying Tino and Timo. I don't know if anybody's knows. <laughs> but we have, we have two Tinos on our team and a Timo. That doesn't help, but yeah. I'd say you say Timo Kai Mount partnership to starting the league. And I think what you're going to see is if they come in and they are doing well, and we have not signed a striker yet, I think we'll still be trying to sign one, but I think Tammy will not start the Premier League season or play one game for us. And I think it will just play into the fact that he's looking for a transfer more. And as Holland, Lukaku, or someone deal um, trails closer and closer to happening, you'll see the Tammy one also happening um, more
1: and more. I definitely forgot about Emerson. That one's possibly the cheaper deal to get done, especially after a transfer request. And then my dark horse of a potential transfer out is uh, Kurt Zuma, if the rumors of Mourinho at, at Roma wanting him um,
0: are, you know, concrete by any means. Yeah, and that was my number three. That was going to be the third one. Because there's no – like, you maybe you've heard rumors. I haven't heard any rumors. Or, like, if we're saying Emerson to Napoli is a Tier 2 rumor, i put Zuma in, like, Tier 3 or Tier 4 yeah. because there's been no real things coming out about him. But it kind of – it's hard to say, too, because – Gurhi and Tamori are gone, so there's no one really to come in except. Um, wait, uh, I'm I'm having a blank. There was someone who is that the other center back that we were thinking? Oh, Malang Sar. Malang Sar, right? We, yes, have, he's we still, have still Malang Sar.
1: yeah. He's still, and, and he apparently did well at
0: left center back. So, okay, I hear mixed things because. I heard he did well at Porto, and I also hear he did not do well at Porto. Uh,
1: I meant at the preseason game, yeah. The oh, Porto okay. season apparently was uh, kind of a roller coaster. Patches of good and patches of bad.
0: First, Well, for a... Wait, the preseason was?
1: No, 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 no. the The, the oh, Porto time. Yeah. Okay.
0: I assume the patches of bad are when they got knocked out of the Champions League.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and not winning the Liga Nos. <laughs> right sporting one didn't they for like the first time in a while yes not benfica not porto that was a surprise well
0: portugal probably was open flames about that one but um yeah so malong could um deputize rudiger at left center back and he's a left-footed player he's probably a more ideal person than zuma if we're going to stick with the back three which for now it does look like we're doing but the one thing i will say is um And it's a little unfair to Christensen and Rudiger, but the only reason I say it is because they've been in back three systems for nation and club um, as of late, is that if you sell Zuma, Tiago Silva is your only center back who can truly anchor a back four. Um, And the rest you're you're taking a gamble on and just saying, okay, we'll see if you can do your best here. But yeah, if we sell Zuma, I think it only solidifies the fact that we will be in a back three for maybe the next two years or so, or at least however long Tuchel may reign. May long may he reign (laughs) you know you'd love to see someone last more than two years wouldn't you yeah don't place a bet on it but but yeah so zuma probably would be my next uh guess but so yeah jam um for your question um looks like andreas is gonna say uh tammy abraham i'm gonna say emerson um but yeah um put in the comments or on twitter who you think will be next so uh let's go into our next segment of the episode we're gonna talk about the euros really quick we're not gonna spend too long on it but we're kind of going to go over our players, how we think they did. And then we got a good, um, a couple of questions um, here from the boys. So we're going to talk about it. So the Euros, Um, we had, I feel like a very exciting Euros, mainly because there was a lot of upsets. The round of 16 was nuts. Nuts, I say. I did, there was a lot of people that went out. I was not expecting it. And it's not necessarily the worst thing. I didn't for a bracket predictor. But, you know, we love to see Euros, but it ended up with the Immortal Italians triumphing over the three Lions in a penalty shootout. Yeah, there's a lot of controversy. We're not going to unpack tonight on that one. We don't need to dig up old wounds and everything for all our English fans and everything. But what we're going to look at is just how our uh, boys fared. And, you know, the first one I have to talk about is Billy Gilmore. Um, Because Scotland was also the first to get knocked out. So, yeah. I'm a diehard fan and I will live through this, I swear. Um, but Billy played one game out of out of three. And um, well, the, the one the last one he didn't play was not, I don't know if you could say it wasn't his fault. Um, he got he got covet apparently, but didn't have any symptoms, but no one else got COVID, I don't think, on the team. Maybe nope. one other person had before, but Literally just Billy, I'm uh, I'm calling conspiracy. I'm saying somebody <laughs> knew he was the, their secret weapon because he locked it down, got man of the match performance against England, and you know what? They took him out, and what happens? Scotland get knocked out in a game-defining um, match um, against, I think it was Croatia. Yeah, it was Croatia yes. because it was three-one. Got that, right. Modric wonder freaking the slope. The Czech Republic wonder goals against um, I think it was Marshall and goal at the time. Yeah. That one, I watched all those games. Your boy, your boy felt some heartbreak for the first time (laughs) dedicating his, uh, his allegiance to a team. And well, we will be back for the world cup. We'll be stronger. Billy what can be said about one match played out of three and you get men of the match. He looked good. He's going to be the heart of that Scotland team going forward And he's got a lot of momentum carrying forward, personally, even in one game, um, into Norwich. And he's already had a preseason game with them, and he looked pretty good. And I think Norwich fans are going to love him, and he's going to have a case of the Gerhi um, for the uh, Swansea fans, who are going to be like, no, he's one of ours. We're keeping him. We're keeping him. The Swansea, we're both crying now because he's neither of ours now. But, Billy, you deserved better, buddy. You deserved better out of this tournament. But um, did you happen to catch any of the Scotland matches My Chance Andres? Um,
1: yes, I definitely watched the first two. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he was fantastic in the, in the one versus England. And, I mean, we talk about how can you tell – it's hard to judge the youth or whatever, but now Billy has had a meta-match performance in his um, FA Cup debut, in his Premier League debut, in his Champions League debut, and in the Euros debut. I mean – say what you want but those games included everton liverpool um i do think it was maybe crass nadar so maybe you you pass there but then england so the guy is a, a player for the big occasion and we talk about loans maybe not working and whatnot i know that chelsea fully is saving a spot in next not this season but the next season's roster for billy gilmore
0: I mean, he can't be that good, right? He doesn't have a man-of-the-match performance in the Carabao Cup. I mean, that's that's a league competition. <laughs> I, can't, I can't finish that thought. Yeah, I mean, what's less to be said that Billy, the Scottish Iniesta, he he's only getting started. I mean, for being injured and then coming back, Champions League winner, the Euros, not winner, but a man-of-the-match winner. Um, I mean, that's all I'm going to say is Billy, great things are coming for Billy. So let's see. I think the next team to get knocked out was Wales. Um, four 0 to Denmark. Not a great game. Think that, not that game. It was the third group stage game. Ethan Empadu got a red card, wasn't it? And he missed the Denmark game because of the red card. Um, do, yes,
1: that's correct.
0: Do believe it. Now, um, I didn't watch the Wales games that much, but from what I heard he was not a starter. Like, he didn't start the matches it didn't look like. So, I always heard Ethan Ambadu was a very prominent person when it came to the Welsh team and that he was normally in there, like, as a starter uh, for, for, like, the qualifiers for everything. I think it was the were they at the World Cup in Russia?
1: Uh, no, I think they I don't think so.
0: They might be in the group stage. Wait, weren't they the, in the group stage the with Euros, Iceland or something?
1: They made. Uh, let me see. They. I know for a fact they made the Euros previously. Oh no, they were in the World Cup with um Belgium, Iceland? Belgium, Czech Republic. No, those are qualifiers. Um, man, I can't go far that that back. Ugh, I can't go that far back. But I know they made the semis in the Euro 2016
0: maybe that's what i'm thinking about. maybe that was the wonder one that they had
1: yeah with uh it was it was Bale, ramsey and then they had this guy with like a hyphenated last name up top who was Props like canoe? yes he was completely a free agent during the tournament and he that you know is, right twice um
0: it's the west brom striker <laughs> i think he's west brom still he no caused idea. his problems earlier in the season i believe Unless that was Calvin Robinson.
1: Of course he did. No, that was Robinson, the Irish Robinson.
0: one. Okay, right, because I get them mixed up, because obviously Welsh and Irish are very similar. But, yeah, so I don't think Ethan Ampetite had the best tournament look looked like, so he looks – he's not even in preseason back yet. I don't think the Welsh boys have come back yet, so I guess round of 16 is just about to come back because the next team to get knocked out, sorry, Andreas, was Germany. <laughs> There's the yeah. old ones.
1: Listen, it's. Uh, I think I can make an argument that Kai Havertz might have been second or third in voting for a Young Player of the Tournament. I think he was the one. I mean, Rudiger was solid, so I can't say anything wrong. But out of our German boys, he obviously stood out the most. I think he was their standout player. But I'm I'm glad that Team Werner is getting some time off of football because he needs a mental break, big time.
0: Who would have been top two? Would have been a uh, Kiesa and Patrick Schick um i had
1: pedri and oh, Pedro, i think yeah. uh dams guard for
0: denmark oh, I, I was thinking both of them too but it's i don't know i think i don't know if case is old but i would have
1: he's would've, not I, I i don't know why i didn't put him in my list the case that probably breaks into the top three because of um his more important elimination game goals
0: and i think patrick schick isn't on is on the younger side and he was on almost a top goal scorer oh he was a he was a
1: he tied Ronaldo.
0: He yeah. He tied Ronaldo for top goal scorer. Yeah, that's crazy considering, no offense to the Czech Republic, it's just not one of the powerhouse teams I think of. And that's when I might think of powerhouse teams, but full respect to y'all. You did well. You beat Netherlands 2 0. I think it was a controversial game, if I remember correctly. But either way, you still beat them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so Germany, um, Andres, why don't you take this away? Because you probably watched every single Germany game like I watched every Scotland game.
1: Yeah, so everything is down to Joachim Lowe not giving a damn because he won a World Cup in 2014 and then hung up his boots. He was already touted to be replaced by Hansi Flick before the tournament was announced. Um, while I think the the right choice was to run the 3-4-2-1 for Germany, I think he was too um, passive in terms of adjustments in game. Um, he was too... Hesitant to play someone like Leon Goretzka in a, in a two man midfield, especially when your other choice was Tony Kroos, who cannot play in a two man midfield at this point in his career. And so, while the decision and the, the decision of the 11 players to go were correct, how they were playing on the pitch lacked in intention and it lacked um, the word I'm looking for here is, is when you have help me out here like when you're Synergy? running out of time uh, no no like you, you you know you're working against the clock and you need to get something done um
0: racing against the clock time management uh,
1: yeah like int- it just lacked the intensity of, of somebody that's down a goal or or somebody that has five minutes to score they uh urgency there was no sense of urgency that's what yeah, i was trying to know. get at I don't know. so It's one of those things where he had a plan A, but he had no plan B, no plan C, no plan D. And when things worked for Germany, you saw what happened against Portugal. But when things didn't work for Germany, you see what happened against England.
0: You know, if I was a German manager, I do think a back three could have been okay. But like you said, for a two-man midfield, I would have anchored it with Goretzka and Kimmich. But um, I think the problem... I think, personally, if I was a manager... Um, I probably would have set up with like a four-three-one-two, or so in Germany if I think the problem is Germany's not at a point where they have stellar um, fullbacks or something that's like that, exactly but um, but I think if you look uh, at the likes of uh, young players like Gunther and uh, Baku, I think they're going to be good eventually and everything like that. Um, and I think playing Kimmich at wingback, I think he was to play at wingback for, for mm-hmm. the majority of the tournament. I think that's a complete waste of his talent, even though he did well for there for Bayern for a little bit, but um, let's we'll say Baku and um, Gunter are are good fullbacks at this time. I probably would have had them at the fullbacks. Probably would have had Hummels and um, Sule or Rudiger probably um at the center back position. Would have had a three man midfield of Cruz, Kimmich, and Goretzka. Um, probably would have had um, I, is Serge is Serge Nabry the one that's getting more game time? Uh, over Leroy Sané?
1: Uh yeah he's the one that has a cr- crazy high like goals per 90 minutes for Germany I,
0: I probably would have played uh, not Leroy sorry Serge, Navier. Serge Navier. I, Um, as kind of a 10 and then I would have had a, a double uh, striker partnership with Muller and Kai kind of offset each other Um, and I, I think if um Muller obviously is a talisman for Germany like he he's someone you can't leave out like he's the experience he's the leadership and everything like that and that goal that he missed was the most un-Muller thing you would say, I would say, if you know him. But um, yeah. I would say maybe for the next tournament, you would just replace him with Timo if Timo's in good form. But for this tournament, I would have put Muller and Kai up top with each other. As a manager, what do you think? Am I, am I, would I be a manager, better manager than Lowe? <laughs> do you like that formation? I mean, I like anything outside of your
1: game Lowe right now. So <laughs> I I think the, the four at the back will make a – a return for the world cup. I don't see. Yeah. I don't see Hansi flick being somebody that sits back and waits for the game to come to him. And, and unfortunately you're right right now in Germany, there are no world-class fullbacks. So unlike club where you can buy whatever position you're missing, if this generation of footballers in Germany don't produce fullbacks, so there's not much you can do.
0: Not Who played left wing back? Gozens. Oh, right. You know, I would have just put Gosens and played left-back for Atalanta. I would have put Gosens at left-back and maybe brought in Baku or... Eh, it's somewhere. risky.
1: It's risky. Risky, the, but... Yeah, I mean, Kimmich was a World Cup winning right-back. He started at right-back when Bayern won... Well, before... When Bayern made it to, like, three semifinals in the Champions League in a row, Kimmich was playing right He's like a Philip Lahm copy. So, like, the guy can be the best... World's best right-back or the world's best CDM it's just yeah I mean he was the only threat moving forward and as a wing back which is crazy it's just yeah unfortunate I'm just glad he's gone Hansi Flick will will turn this around
0: yeah yeah so Germany I really well I mean when I did my episode again um, I <laughs> said they were gonna win I was wrong I was wrong even if I stuck with France, I would have not been in any better mm-hmm. state. Because France ended up losing on penalties. And um Giroud and the Benzema thing, Mbappe's drama, I think it fizzled out just like we all kind of thought. It was all rumors. He's like, they're gonna have problems. Just gonna be some chemistry issues. Nope. You could say that. It did not. That team did not mesh well. It did not look like. I did not see one convincing performance in that whole tournament from France.
1: For sorry, from who? From France. Oh yeah, I mean, it it sucks that egos were the reason that the the N'Golo Conte Ballon d'Or campaign was a two week campaign because <sighs> he just deserved better. Um, the fact that Pogba can even be considered a, a player that could make like the squad of the tournament—that's all thanks to uh, Conte. So it's just—it's just sad.
0: You know, they had a streak going that while they had been together for like four years or so, they never lost a game. Now they did. Yeah. In penalties against Switzerland. So Compared technically, Switzerland,
1: they didn't—they didn't lose in ninety minutes. But yeah.
0: Wow, that's a—that's one way to get around a stat gone wrong.
1: I mean. Uh, Anything for my boy, Conte. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, Mbappe really showed a side of him that I really didn't think was there uh, this tournament. I'm not going to lie. I did not think Mbappe had that big of an ego inside of him. I know... I I always thought he was kind of humble. I'm not going to lie. Maybe I just didn't know enough about him. But did he seem to surprise you? Um,
1: I started seeing it a little bit during the Champions League. I don't know if... The, the bad part of Neymar is rubbing off on him, but the, the superstar prima Donna side, which I expected more from someone like Holland is starting to show from Mbappe. And that's just, it's not a good look. Um, especially when he was kind of like the darling, right. Teenager working his way out from Monaco, then makes it to the French team for the world cup and then leads them to a world cup title. It's just, yeah, it's just not a good look to see him mopey and selfish. And, yeah, uh, the the ego there is is scary if it's building at that age.
0: Yeah. Well, Giroud, Giroud deserved better. And he did not break T.R. Henry's record, I don't believe. So uh, he probably won the World Cup qualifiers, though. Um, so do you think he's going to make the World Cup squad in one year?
1: I mean – maybe is the last name on the roster i don't know if he'll get minutes though you would think that another striker will will rise you know i think benzema will get the call ahead of him obviously mbappe that's two strikers griezmann three and ben yetter potentially ahead of him so he'd be one of those like hey you've been a long servant of the country you get invited to ride the bench
0: yeah yeah i can sadly see that too yeah and then poor zuma I don't know if Zuma will be making um, a squad unless either makes a move, gets into Chelsea's back line all of a sudden, or somebody drops out of form um, in the French back line. But like you said kind of earlier, that depth chart's kind of solidified by now.
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if there's depth anywhere in the French side, it's in the back line. I mean, Kimpembe, Varane, um, Upamecano, Konate, it's just – I. Lucas Hernandez for Bayern, if he ever is deployed at center back, as he should be. I mean. Did
0: Kunde even
1: make the squad? Kunde did make the squad, and he was used as a
0: right back.
1: So, I mean, again, you have plenty of players. France legitimately played a back four of just center backs because Pavard is naturally a center back too. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Pavard and then uh, Lucas Hernandez. Lucas
0: Hernandez.
1: Instead of Furlan Mendy. I mean, again, if we talk about Joaquin Lowe, being self sabotaging, I'll put Deschamps at second place.
0: You know what I also heard that was actually very surprised? Teo Hernandez was left out of the squad.
1: Yeah. He was a bona
0: fide champion. left back was left. And I don't think they had one true left back on that squad. And he had a great season in Milan.
1: Yeah. It's just, uh, again, another manager with he literally tried to deploy the exact same lineup as he did in the World Cup. And I mean that you you can't just recycle things like that. I mean yeah, people will figure it out. Their game plan was get the ball to Pogba and hope he makes a pin perfect pass.
0: Or a upper ninety goal.
1: <laughs> or Did that one.
0: Did one of them. So I guess France will hope for better. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I care about France anymore. I mean, this was Conte's best shot at winning the Bolandar, and they screwed Pooch on that one. So, ah, Jorginho. <laughs> we only got Jorginho to the group for now. But uh, so let's see. Croatia also went out round of 16. has had a good tournament. Uh, I heard he did pretty well. Like, um, one game I saw that was – actually, I think I saw Croatia against England too, maybe. But um, I mainly noticed him more in the Scotland game, him and Modric. Pretty good partnership, but I can't say too much about Kovacic because I really haven't seen much of him. And also, I, I don't, I literally have been wondering where the heck he was been. I know he's been on vacation, but you think he would have seen more pictures by now. And I finally saw a picture surface of him and his girlfriend, um, girlfriend or wife. But I was just like, I've heard so many, um, things about players, I've seen many vacation pics Kovacic is the one guy I've not seen anything from, and I finally saw stuff. And i was like, all right, glad you're okay, bud. I was wondering what it was going to happen with you. But, yeah, I, I, I don't – you have any comments on Croatia? Because I really couldn't have that much.
1: They were an aging squad. I, I, I had them as one of the teams that would underperform. So, for them to make it out of the groups was already a shocker to me. Um, I was expecting one of the other countries to surprise out of that group. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had zero expectations. The fact that they made it and made a game out of that Spain match was, was more than I think they bargained for.
0: Yeah, very true. So I don't think any Chelsea player got knocked. Yeah, no Chelsea player got knocked out of the quarterfinals, I think, because everybody made it to the semis. Because as soon as we hit the semis, every Chelsea player uh, was still – sorry, every team had a Chelsea player. Mm-hmm. So England, obviously, you had Reese, Ben, Mason. Denmark, you had Christensen. Uh, Italy, you had Emerson, Jorginho, and then Spain, you had Asby. So um, Spain get knocked out. Asby – was not in the starting um, squad in the group stage at first. And then they bring him in and they start kicking ass and taking names and winning games. And you know what? Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> Aspie was the backbone. I didn't watch a Spain game, really, until the uh, the penalty shootout against Switzerland. But uh, Aspie was the backbone. Can't tell me that he wasn't the reason they didn't get that far.
1: I mean... Again, another manager playing players in a weird spot. I don't know why Marcos Llorente is playing at right back when Aspie is a natural right back. And the first match, Spain drew their first two matches, and then you put Aspie as a starter, and you score five goals. He scores a goal. Then you play again, you score five goals again. So, I mean, yeah, three starts, two wins, and a loss in penalties. I'll take that.
0: Luis Enrique must have seen the uh, Marcos Llorente – path to glory card and be like he's right back we'll try this out <laughs> but yeah credit to spain went further than i thought they were going to I'm mean, obviously a very good team like by pedigree and everything like that but i did not think the collection of players was going to work uh i i thought they were gonna end up fizzling out more like germany did and like france did and how they didn't all mesh really um denmark I actually called to the semis and getting knocked out. I actually called Denmark getting that far. I thought they were going to do well. Um, obviously went through a horrific time after the first game, but defied every odds. And then credit to them that put up. they put up a good match against England. But Christensen had a great tournament. He had an awesome tournament. He had a banger of a goal, which also did not get nominated for a goal of the tournament, apparently. So... Chelsea players getting um, getting shafted on nominations. Conte and Jorginho not even going to get nominated for Ballon d'Or. Calling it now.
1: Campaign against Chelsea, man. It's, it's always been there.
0: Believe it or not, UEFA and EA are actually the same thing. <laughs> it's a little, you know. And then, obviously, we have Italy and England, and Italy come out triumphant. Jorginho having a debatable player of the tournament um, yeah. campaign. Emerson having to get in there after Spinozola, I believe ruptured an Achilles um, tendon or something like mm-hmm. that it felt really bad for him because he was having a standout performance in the tournament. He was looking really well. I actually was kind of campaigning for Spinozola to be a, a backup <laughs> option to, to Ben. Um, I know he's not naturally left footed and everything, but I was like, you know what? Look at him play, look at him play. I mean, we have that much space sometimes and then nobody capitalizes and Emerson he came in, he did alright, and they obviously they won the tournament, but he didn't do anything exceptional from when I saw right. him. He He'd had several chances and it fizzled out every single one. He, he is one of the most perplexing cases to me of just dynamically different before and after an injury because he hasn't been injured. He hasn't been like Callum, he hasn't been like Ruben, where like you've struggled with injury, as far as I know, after your one big injury. He's just not been good. As far as I've seen, after that injury, and yeah, as mm. much as he played,
1: except yeah, he for was... sorry,
0: except for the one touch goal against that <laughs> Right. can't forget so, that, that.
1: So yeah, he has that. We signed him during his injury at Roma, which is so strange. But leading up to that, he was like the up and coming left back of the Syria or left wing back of the Syria, and it was like, oh my goodness, we found a younger. Marcos Alonso, that's athletic. Like I remember all the hype behind him. It's just, you know, another case of a player that makes it into the squad because you just don't have any left backs who are Italian.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, like I said, Emerson to Napoli, and they... God, Napoli are such a freaking um, two-faced club when it comes to transfer negotiations. They want they want to buy him for ten mil. We want twenty mil. They want to sell, someone wants to buy uh, Koulibaly for 30 mil. They say he's going to retire here or he's still worth like 80 mil. You remember that Remember that transfer saga of Dude. wanting to get Koulibaly to Chelsea?
1: Koulibaly is probably like, damn, I sold my soul to the devil. Like I, I've, like, I think they prized him out, what, two summers ago? And then ever since, like he's not linked to anybody. Like straight up, nobody's even trying. They're like, this, this isn't worth it
0: might have been a catfish might have been i mean you can't tell me there's not a reason he hasn't been linked other than maybe price even with even like van dyke and like he was having a righteous price. oh no wait what did liverpool get van dyke for it was a record fee was
1: 75 it? mil
0: 75 yeah yeah so for even, january
1: transfer too even
0: for a great like cool was being compared to van dyke at that time When um, I mean he's being rumored for a transfer
1: at that point he was like leading Napoli to win the Serie A like they were two points away from beating Juventus at one point when we signed Sari that season they had like two points less at the end of the year and he like scored a header against Juventus but then they ended up tying the game but it was one of those things where like he was the catalyst behind that. Like, he was very important during the best times at Napoli, and now it's just like, what have you done for me lately?
0: Hmm. Well, I guess everyone will be saying We're glad we didn't do that one. So to transition now into uh, – we're actually going to address two questions at the same time, kind of. It comes from our boy RJ at RJ underscore good things and our boy Patrick Larson at PTP underscore COYB come on you blues. And so um, RG's question is which blues player based on the Euro's performance gives you the most optimism for Chelsea next season. And Patrick's is who is your player to watch this season at Chelsea. So we're going to kind of roll both of those. Um, you can either have two answers or you can have one answer because there's, and the reason I'm throwing Pat- Patrick's question in here is there's a very good chance that you could say that someone to watch next season is because of their Euro's performance. So right. I'm going to give you a chance. Um, are you going to name one player who answers both or are you going to have two? Um, I'll have two. Okay.
1: So to, to watch at Chelsea, I mean, we've already been watching him, but I think that the, the steam that Kai Havertz brought into the Euros is going to reflect in his premier league upon the start. So I think that, you know, think what you will of, of his recovery from COVID and his miss. Placement on the pitch by Lampard, whatever. I think that this season we'll see what we are supposed to see from Kai Havertz. Um, and then in terms of um, the other question, which was more of like, who are you? Who are you most optimistic about? I mean, you mentioned him early and only playing one match, but I'll be tuning into every Norwich game that that Billy Gilmore starts because, again, I think that Lucien Favre is actually trying to play football. And there's a reason he chose Billy Gilmore as a lone player. And I fully expect him to play 70% of the matches for them. So for me, this is like as close as, you know, when Mason Mount was at Derby, we knew Mason Mount was going to be at Chelsea the season after. Like, I think that there is a very known path for him to get here. And I find it really hard for him not to succeed at, at Norwich.
0: No, I definitely agree on that, and um, I'm glad you said Billy because uh, if you had taken both of my answers, then I would have just wished I had gone first because mm-hmm. then it looks like I'm just copying you. But you you said you seem to think a lot similarly than um, to me when it comes to a lot of these answers, but my player to watch um, at Chelsea for next season was also going to be Kai because um, obviously the last season was tempered a lot by his COVID um, case and everything like that, so I think this year you're going to see a more accustomed Kai especially because Lampard was trying to integrate him as an eight, it looked like. And I think Kai was trying to struggle a little bit, worrying too much about the defensive side. And Kai doesn't need to worry about defense other than pressuring some defenders up top. I think he needs a license to roam. He needs to just be able to work up top. And I think you're going to find, see that in him. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to agree with you on the Kai one. And for my one, I would say the most optimism. I'm actually going to say Andreas Christensen. Has his performance inspires me and makes me more optimistic for him because when you when both Christensen and Rudiger um, you look at the past seasons and you look at where they are right now they are both in a you start them or you sell them case for me because they're both at contracts uh, discussion points. Uh, Rudiger does not look to be discussing contracts just yet. Um, Christensen looks to be a discussion maybe some um here in the near future but both them right now you either start them in the first team or you sell them there's no other option after what they've done this past season because i guarantee you almost all of us were ready to part ways with them before this comeback and and the form they are now you can't bench them you just can't because we know Christensen is such a momentum player such a mental player and everything like that when it comes to his play Mm -hmm. style that if you bench him all of a sudden everything like that it's not going to work for him. So, and then a lot and a hard issue comes with that is that he competed with Tiago Silva for the center role a lot. Um, but if you ask me for a backline next season, I say you have to have Rudiger Silva Chris, um, Christensen as your starting backline. Even though if that does mean putting Ben um, Aspie into a more uh, Gary Cahill role on the bench of being a captain, you're probably still going to have Jorginho in the side. Um, so you still have your vice captain. Obviously, you're gonna have Mount and Silva, plenty of captaincy in the side there. So, Christensen, it makes me optimistic because, as much as we love talking about Silva, much as he is an elite center back still and helped us, he showed signs of age near the end of the campaign, especially when he went down in the final against Man City. So, and he had a he had a great he had a great Copa too with Brazil, stayed healthy, made it to the finals and everything like that, and did it great. Was one of the best players on the team. What I'll say is. He is, Like Aspie, he's only getting older. And I think a big thing about Christensen needing to play a lot more is if Silva goes down, he can't have a, um, a jump start period where he gets used to playing again. He needs to already be playing and just move from the right to the center. And then you bring in Reese at right center back, you bring in Aspie at right center back, you bring in someone. But I think Christensen is going to have a big season next season. Whether it's um, rotating with um, Silva playing next to him, I think I'll just say kind of make a bold prediction. I think Andreas Christensen will record the most uh, the most appearances out of that back three. I I'm just gonna say that. I I feel oh. big on him. And I yeah, and I am I will and anybody who knows me will know that I was one of the ones who said Christensen should go, Rudiger should go. I was I was ready to part ways with them and I'm happy to say I was wrong. I mean, I didn't think this would happen. And I'm very pleased because it means there's less center backs that we need to buy. So we don't need to look for a starting center back because a lot of people will talk about, like when we do the transfer saga of the defenders, we need a new center back. We need to buy someone and invest in someone big to replace Tiago Silva. But Tiago Silva is still here. But also, why do you need to bring in a world class center back when you literally just had the world class center back line? I mean, in Champions League. So you could say we literally have the best defensive line in world football right now, debatably. And I mean, what are you going to argue with right now? I mean, if Manchester United get um, Varane and you're going to have a back four of Luke Shaw, Varane, Maguire, and Juan Bissaka, I would say Juan Bissaka is the le- weakest link in terms of form. But – and then you have the Man City back line. You have – um who, who plays left-back more, Zinchenko or Mendy these days? I think Zinchenko, right? Uh, plays left-back, yeah, Zinchenko over
1: Mendy for sure. Yeah, Mendy so, was absolute trash.
0: Yeah, so you have Zin- Zinchenko, you have Ruben Diaz, um, John Stones or Laporte, and um, Kyle Walker or João Cancelo. That, I probably would say, is a better, um, better co- contestant to... Go against us than Manchester United, but you think also world football around? I'd I would say what's the next one? Bayern, maybe Real Madrid just lost Varane or not? Sorry, PSG. not Varane. They lost Ramos. PSG maybe, but they also don't. Ex- I wouldn't say they have. They have a Kimi now, um, but so it's hard to say. But I would say Chelsea is up there with the best back lines in world football. So For sure. I would easily say that we don't need to necessarily bring in a center back per se to, to, replace someone in the front, in the back three, but Christensen and Rudiger have to start. They have to start. And if they don't capitalize on how much you can get for them right now and sell them before the window's open. Because if you bench them, they will lose a lot of their value. I think by the next time you can have them sell them. So that's uh. you have any notes on that? Uh, I guess if you agree, disagree.
1: Um. I mean, I, I think we do have one of the best
0: defensively solid
1: back lines. Like you mentioned, you can argue Man City, you can argue Bayern. Um, outside of them, everything else is it's just depending on what happens, right? If Varane does go to United, maybe you can make a case for them as defensively solid instead of, you know, um, flexible because you, you get no offensive output from Juan Bisaka, for example. So – it just depends on what you look for from your defense. I think PSG should they mesh well with all the new parts that could be added to our, you know, list of elite. But I think that Chelsea is Chelsea, Man City and Bayern are the ones that people realistically would put on a list of top defenses.
0: Yeah, that's what I think too. So I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping that we continue this form and, I don't know how much I would attribute it to Tuchel or attribute it to the players himself, but I would say, as long as you still have both um, this upcoming season, I don't really see any reason for a regression, especially after they've been playing in the Euros, still a good bit. So let's go ahead and transition to our next segment, uh, which is going to be the youth exodus that we've been dealing with. And we've seen a lot of players go out, but there's still a good bit of players in the pot. So let's look over who's still in the pot right now. We've got Armando Brogia who just signed an extension, who is the longest tenured player at the club, or I say, sorry, tenured, longest contract at the club right now. It goes until summer 2026. You Mm -hmm. got Connor Gallagher, whose contract goes till summer 2025. Levi Caldwell, who is going to be on loan at uh, Huddersfield uh, this season. Ian Mattson, who I don't believe is um, on a loan just yet. He might go back to Charlton, or he might get a bigger one. Um, But his contract goes till summer 2024. Tino Andrin, does not have a destination just yet. I do. Inti- I would anticipate he gets a loan because he needs a loan, in my opinion. He needs first in football, maybe a one of uh, the Premier League clubs or a top championship side who's contesting. I prefer Premier League, but he goes until summer twenty twenty five. and Sabell, I didn't know if he had signed an extension or not, and I thought he did because someone said. I looked up. It says his contract's only until summer twenty twenty two, which is next summer so he might be someone else and there's been no rumors about him about going out or extending so he's complete limbo right now if we lose him too we have no offensive strikers i know that are bright prospects besides broja as far as the development squad still so he's probably one of the next ones that we need to extend just based on how he's formed and just get him on a loan contract um And then, obviously, you got Ethan Ampadu, who's been having loans. He's contracted until summer 2023. And, you know, when you look back at Ampadu's loans, you look at Leipzig, you look at um, Sheffield United. When the Leipzig loan was made, it wasn't good to some people because it was a different system than what we had. And when you look at the Sheffield one, it also wasn't a good one because we were still under Frank. We had a back four. And when you look at it, ironically enough, both of those were good loans for the system because that's what we ended up as, but they just played out badly for him. So imagine if both of those loans had gone well for him. I'd say Ethan Ampadu probably would be the next guy to come into the squad right now just because he would naturally fit in. He could have been even on number six for us, either a double pivot or a number six or the back center back, but... (laughs) The two loans that he ended up being at that would have prepared him perfectly for this team, this the system under Tuchel, both crashed. So now he has a loan. He doesn't have a loan, sorry, coming up, but he needs a loan because I don't think he's ready to come back um, into this squad. Um, and then you got Dujon Sterling, who is also um in going to be summer 2022, next year, who is in more rumored talks for a summer contract extension. Um, And obviously with Tina Loverimento being rumored out, he, um, he's someone that uh, were the clubs really pushing to stay because we would love to have that depth at right wing back. And then the last one I'm going to have on this list is Xavier Umbayamba, who is contract until summer 2023, who I don't see going on loan yet, just because he still looks like he's getting acclimated with the club, but, when it comes to, I would say, okay, between Angeren and Perdue and Gallagher, who do you think needs a lone move the most?
1: Um, I would say Angeren and at this point. I think Gallagher proved that he can hang with the Premier League boys when, with his time as West Brom, he was... Uh, surprisingly very involved under Sam Big Sam um, when he came in as manager. So I think that Tino Andrin is the one that he's shown that he's too good for the academy level players. He's just destroying at that level. So it's now a time for him to prove that he can make the next step. So for him and, and for what he wants his future to be, I think he's the one that needs to get a good
0: loan. So if he needs to loan the most um and then Gallagher probably could, you could say could make it probably in the first team squad what are your thoughts on Ampadu what if a transfer offer came in for Ampadu and say it wasn't it wasn't a poor one say someone came in for Ampadu for like 7 8 mil or something like that I I, I would have I I don't know how much that compares because when I <laughs> I said lose Baker 15 mil take him not 1.5. I moved the decimal over on that one, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Say a, a good fair offer, like a Girhi one, came in for Ampadu. Yeah. Would you sell him at this point, or would you say no? We need a lot. I game.
1: mean, I I don't see. I think he'll he'll ask for a transfer request again. It's one of those things where our squad has so many center back options, and and again, there's already such a hierarchy in terms of our center mids. There's no. The club needs to be able to. To put, it's like, yes, you want to be selfish as a club because at the end of the day, it's a business, but at the same time, you're harboring this player who is still very young from doing anything for himself. And he's just costing you money on top of that. So I'd say if the offer is fair, go ahead and sell him. And then again, they learned their lesson with Mark Gurhey. There is a sell on clause and there is a, uh, right of first refusal if I'm understanding correctly. So let's say you sell him for five mil he just balls out in his next club and he's linked to major clubs. And let's say wherever he goes that someone like, I'll just throw this out there. Liverpool wants to sign Ampadu. Well, if there's a first refusal clause. We just have to match that bid to get him back. So it's one of those things where loans can only take a player so far and clubs are only going to put so much time into a loanee. That's only there for a year. So if you're going to be at at this point in Ampadu's career, I think he needs a transfer so that he can secure for himself a more stable progression path. And and in terms of the younger players, give them two year loans. It worked so well for Christians in a Borussia motion Gladbach where the club felt that if he plays well, they should still play him because they get him for a whole nother season rather than, you know, things go badly. You fire your manager, a new manager comes in and he doesn't give a rat's ass about your loan players. So I just hope, I would like to see Chelsea show some growth in terms of how they approach uh, these players. I mean, Madrid did it for so long where they sent Murata to Juve on a loan or a, on a transfer. And they had a buyback clause of 30 mil. They bought him back for 30 mil and they sold him for 70 something to us. Like that's the kind of business Chelsea should be looking at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because Ethan Ampadu is probably in terms of the time period it was happening at, he was probably the most hyped up player short of Callum Hudson-Odoi, in my opinion, at the time that they were both being like integrated into loans or into the first team. There was like, I know still some people who are diehard Ampadu fans and swear he will become good but his time is running thin um with a contract of going through 2023 he um yeah he's kind of at the point where either he's going to ask for an extension or he's going to ask for a, um, a move away um, so i guess yeah that is probably yeah that's going to be a hard one to part with but i do agree i do think um, if uh, i do think a transfer offer comes in I think I would also accept it so um our boy Qu- uh, Quelin Barker comes in with a question at, or at Queland Barker I swear to name he says do you think Dujon sterling has a future at Chelsea especially with Tino livermento potentially in the club I will start out by saying this <laughs> as much as I support it and watch uh, or in rep the Chelsea Academy I don't watch a lot of the games and I don't always know the players profiles and everything like that um just because i don't always have time to watch them and i will say dujon sterling is one player i really have not seen much of so mm-hmm. i don't know him too well but what i did was i did the classic google it, look up youtube highlights and everything like that <laughs> and try to just gather as much information to make an educated answer on this as possible but from what i've gathered he's a pretty strong player um he's kind of a bit less stockier a version of reese um, he's pretty explosive on the ball. He's a good dribbler. Um, his, um, his dribbling skills, he, he's able to make those little touches um, from side to side, back and forth, um, while dribbling to get past the player to kind of stay in stride um, and kind of throw them off of him. And he seems like a more offensive version of Reese James. And Reese James is kind of a package because he's very good um, offensively and defensively. If you ask me, I would probably besides his crossing ability, I would say Reese probably is a more defensively sound than offensively uh, prowess uh, fullback, and I would say Dijon certainly seems like just the opposite, where he's a little more offensively favored and then still defensively sound. So, and maybe that's a good um, type of player to compliment Reese uh, because they both work off each other. They um they both improve each other's sides of the game like that. But depending on what kind of player you need um, for a game, maybe you need more offensive. Uh, you need like a more offensively pressing wing back, maybe start DeJon Sterling and then you put Reese at right center back to feeding and crosses and everything like that. So, as far as does he have a future at Chelsea, with, especially with Tino Livermento leaving the club, I would say if the club is pretty certain Tino is going to leave, they are going to do everything they can to secure. Dijon Sterling because I do not think they would want to let both of them go and um I've only seen one loan from him at Wigan he seems like he did well but it also seems like he's been struggling with injury as mm-hmm. of late but he's also very physically fit and healthy as of late do you, have you heard much on Dijon Sterling or do you know much of him yourself
1: um yeah so he he's been on the radar a little bit longer um than someone like Louis Bate or, or Dino Livermento he had uh he is a more explosive speed-wise, less stocky version of Rhys James to keep it simple. He, at one point, Reese James was playing in the back three of our academy and Dujon Sterling was the wing back ahead of him. So he, he his loan with Wigan got cut short by injury and he's been practicing with the first team since I believe March or April. And the reason, the simple reason for me as to why he has a future, regardless of the Livermento decision at the club is that he f- is okay with being a part squad member. Like he's not a full-time starter and he's going to be okay with that. And I think the mentality of, of team first at, at this early stage of his career is what's going to help him prolong his career at the club because um, an academy prospect to make it at the very elite, there's a lot of factors that, that come into play. Timing for is the biggest one, in my opinion. And he would be coming into a side that only has one player ahead of him. And there are we're going into a season with more competitions than we've had since 2013. And there's going to be minutes for him because there's going to be at one point or another where Tuchel is going to have to rest Reese James and play Dujon Sterling. So for me, for him to make the decision that if I want to have a career at Chelsea, my best bet is to stay here and put in the hard work until I get my time to shine rather than I need to get first team minute no matter where I go, is what is going to allow him to essentially have a career here. And, and it's not because he's the most talented academy player coming out right now, it's just situation. The right wing back position is lacking death severely. It's if it was a center mid, Lewis Bate. You have my blessing. Leave. Go get your minutes elsewhere because there's zero chance. And I literally mean zero chance he gets an, a second in this Chelsea side. So, again, situation plays a big part of it. And him, like basically knowing I'm not better than Reese James today, but I'm okay being his understudy, is a very mature way of securing a place in the squad.
0: Yeah. I think also kind of why I think Tino Livermento should stay is because I think both him and Dijon Sterling have a chance to, I think, I think the pathway that they think is blocked is very misleading because I don't think Reese James is seen as the long-term right wing back for this club. I think as far as he's going to be under Tuchel, I think he's right wing back right now because we don't, he's the best right wing back we have. I think though, he really is actually wanted at that right center back role and that as is eventually phased out, um, Christensen's going to be there. But as if Silva gets hurt, God forbid, knock on wood, is going to slot over. You would see um, Reese James take that right center back role. If we had someone like Tino Livermento or Dijon Sterling deputizing him, that was doing really well in itself and was making it a hard case for Reese. I think that's what you would see. And then you would see still Aspie back up reese or something like that um in case and then reese maybe starts right wing back and then asby starts at right center back as well but i think that it's like misleading to think that reese is going to be the long-term right wing back because i think he's going to be eventually phased into right center back as long as we're in a back three and i think that that would pave the way for tino or dijon to make a case for to be a starting right wing back i mean and I don't think it appears that way to them, especially because of how young Reese is right now. Especially because it doesn't look like if you were thinking that he's not going to move to right center back. And I don't know how publicly the intentions of Tuchel's plans, the club's plans to put reset right center back, maybe based on what like we saw at the end of last season happen. I don't know how much that's in um, Dijon and Tino's head. So. Like Tino's looking for a move out of the club right now. Possibly, it could he could be very convinced. I don't have his pathway. Dijon might be thinking differently right now. So I think if if you're saying Tino's leaving, I think Dijon has a, has a future because I think Reese the right center back and a, a new right wing back is the future plan. And I would say my best evidence is the Hakimi rumor in the transfer attempt. I think that is a is a proven fact that. If you think Reese James was planning to be benched, no, no, that's not logical. Hakimi right. coming in there to be benched. No, that's not logical. Hakimi is a world-class transfer coming in. Reese James is, a, is, is on the verge of being a world-class defender in the world. And you know what? He is not going to be benched. He would have been right center back, Reese. It would have been Hakimi right wing back. And then you probably would have had, Aspyr Christensen deputizing right center back, and he would probably just move from Reese to right wing back if, uh, if Akimi needed a rest. That's probably yeah. what was going to happen, and that's why I think the right wing back is much more open of a pathway than people realize. Yeah, I
1: mean, again, the situation plays such a big factor. I know that Tuchel is, is formationally flexible, which is why, like, Obviously, Reece James is going nowhere because the moment you switch to a back four, he's going back to right back. But yeah, dude, you know, when you needed more speed, Aspie was just not going to cut it. And that's why we saw Reece get deployed further back um, so that Aspie just wouldn't get burned by, you know, the Vardy's of the world um, or Sterling, et cetera. Because I feel like the two Leicester matches, the City matches, and then I believe maybe one match against Porto. But yeah, the, the point is, I think Dujon Sterling understands the situation and the fact that we just won the, the Champions League in a back three system. We haven't signed the players to naturally transfer over to a back four. This is his best shot. And I think that's why he's just putting his head down and stay, sticking around.
0: Yeah, well said. So uh, last question we're going to do uh, for the youth exodus. Um, um, and then we're gonna transition to transfer limbo just for a little bit before we close out here. Uh, It comes from our boy Dan Hill or at I Dan know 05. So nice bland words there. So he says, based on the uproar on social media about the departure of a number of young players, what change would you like to see in this regard? And do you think there's anything else Chelsea could have done? So kind of a two-parter question here. And it kind of alludes to maybe what would you have changed in the regard from the club perspective? Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of go in a different direction. I would like to see the fan base change uh, in terms of everything we're seeing. I'm seeing a lot of negativity towards the players in terms of dubbing weak mentality for not staying through the system for opting out or taking the easy route for trying to get out of the traditional loan system into the first team squad and everything like that. I would like the fan base um, attitude. Now this is not everyone This is to the people who are saying that these players are mentally weak, that they are taking an easy ride on. These players grew up wanting to play for Chelsea and rooting for them and thinking that and basically saying, this is my life. Chelsea is my life. Some players like Dijon Sterling are still in that mindset and still are trying to fight through it and everything like that. But players like Lewis Bate, Miles Pert, Harris, maybe Tino Lomento that are Leaving, that's not an easy decision. I mean, Chelsea is all they know. Imagine leaving your home that you only know. Something like you ever had to leave something that you knew, say, like you had a certain city, maybe you grew up in a town where you had a bunch of friends and everything like that, and that was your whole life, your childhood, and your parents said, Hey, my job is making me move. We're going to have to pick up and move towns to another state. Like you would go from just another country, maybe. I mean, imagine, and but imagine it's your decision for your future. Imagine how hard it is to p- say, I'm going to take that leap of faith and go for it and bet on yourself. I don't understand why people say that's a mentally weak decision. That is probably the hardest decision they've made in their life to leave Chelsea and say, I'm going to go make it at Southampton. I'm going to go make it at Leeds. I'm going to go make it at Brighton. Because if Tino goes to Brighton, he's going against Lamptey, who left Chelsea, who would also have been a great job job for this position. I mean, some of these moves don't make sense to us, and maybe it doesn't make sense in general, but these players are saying, I feel like I can make it in the Premier League right now instead of going to Vitesse, instead of going to Derby, instead of going to Swansea, stuff like that. You know what? Mm -hmm. Credit to them for backing themselves that much to make that lead because it could blow up, it could go wrong and they could get end up getting benched and then going to a championship side club or something like that. There is no guarantee for them. So what I would like to see different is I would like to see the fan base be so much more tempered and accepting that as much as we want them to work out and go into the first team squad, obviously it's not totally feasible, especially with the squad we have right now, but don't be saying... They have a weak mentality. They, they, they are not up for the challenge. If anything, they're taking on a bigger challenge than they would if, if they went to a lone club. They went to somewhere like Vitesse or the other championship sides. They probably would do better in the first season away from Chelsea than they would at Southampton or Leeds. I mean, that's that's what I would like to see different. If Is there anything you want, I Do you agree? What, what's your thoughts, Andres? No, I, I definitely
1: agree with that part. I, I want to add also that on the contrary that people are saying like Chelsea is blocking any potential pathway. I think that's a very naive take as well, because the senior squad has to worry a lot more about the now and the Chelsea Academy does a fantastic job of producing talent. And that's a machine that's going to keep churning out talent. The way the squad is built right now, unfortunately does have mistakes from the past that need to be, getting rid of um it's also got a lot of youth players that just graduated from their academy slash loan roles that now have a long-term future here and and then the other positions are marquee signings and players that as well are tied to long-term futures we are in a time where there is no Natural progression because we are in a period of success or going into a long term period of success. The, we are not a team like Crystal Palace, Southampton, Wolves that need to depend on an academy player making it through to save us millions of euros. Like, that is not how this team is built. And every single year, five players, perhaps from the academy, graduate to what would be a potential senior level. Every year, we're not looking to add a questionable potential talent. Sometimes we need to add a ready-made talent because we're a team looking to be elite year in and year out. Um, this, we're not the only team this happens to either. Jadon Sancho left Manchester City and is never coming back, and he left for pennies. On the other end, Harry Kane had two or three bad loan spells, and only got his chance at Tottenham because three strikers ahead of him got hurt, and he finally got given a chance. I mean, the the pathway to the first team for players is different, no matter who the club, who the player is. There is no straight line pathway. Even Mbappe at Monaco, they didn't just go, "Oh, the 17 year old kid's got it." He starts every single game. His time was managed. He was put in here and there because of injury, and then he just blew up like. For one, not every player is going to be the next Lionel Messi. As much as we want to believe that every player coming out of the Chelsea Academy is going to be a world beater, that's honestly not the case. And again, there is a time and place for these guys to make it through. And the club should not be holding them for ransom because these are people with lives and careers that they need to worry about. Some people, some of these players need a long-term secure contract to pay for their families and things like that, which, you know, something that nobody's considering right now. And, and on the other end, the Chelsea Academy and, and Chelsea is a club. They're doing their part. They are making these guys ready at 18 years old to take on potentially the best league in the world. Like I don't see how that's a failure. The only thing that I would like to see Chelsea change, which is the second part of the question or learn from is Perhaps you get these loans for these mega talents earlier in their time. And perhaps you do two-year loans. So where they can have a little bit more stability, even if an injury occurs. And then by the time that they hit 18-19, they either have a role to play in the first team as a squad player, or you sell him with a sell-on clause or a right of first refusal or a buyback clause. That way you can protect yourself while also giving these kids the chance to do something with their lives without burning any bridges. like It's a learning situation here. I don't think that moving forward, every single academy player is going to hate Chelsea and, and leave immediately. I just think that we went from, in the past two seasons, from a transfer ban where Lampard said, we have to use the academy because we have no other option to Tuchel taking over halfway through the season and winning the Champions League. We cannot think rebuild. We need to think recharge. And that can't be done with 18-year-olds.
0: That's a good way to put it. I like that. Not rebuild, recharge. That's a good one. So yeah, I totally agree. I agree with everything you said. Um, and as far as um, the second part of Dan Hill's question uh, about do you think there's anything else Chelsea could have done? I don't think so because I think um, it's very circumstantial. Mm -hmm. um with the squad and everything and i don't think this is chelsea's part i think chelsea have done everything they could to convince the other players but um i think this is completely a the players are making the personal choice to go out and everything like that so i think this is the club saying we've done everything we can we're just going to try and get as much as a fee or um as much as we can out of this situation without making it a loss but uh yeah I mean, as someone who supports the Academy a lot and everything, I hate seeing these players leave, but I'm understanding that not everyone is going to make it. Um, I also just remembered another name. Um, I know I haven't named everybody, um, as far as, uh, youth prospects, but I want to throw Henry Lawrence in there as well. I totally for, um, I forgot to write down that name, um, as far as a player, but I know he's kind of a left wing back, uh, type role, I believe. Um, so him and Ian Matson are kind of like your two, like your Tino and your uh, Dijon at the left side. And I think uh, Henry Lawrence, Ian's already been on a loan, but um, I think, I don't know who's rated higher. I'm not going to go into it. I just wanted to shout out Henry Lawrence because I, I, I remember that name in my head for some reason all of a sudden, and I just didn't want to leave him out because I, he's still a very good uh, loan prospect that's still in the pot. Um, so let's transition into our last segment as we wrap things up. We got uh, just two questions I want to answer. We won't spend too much time on transfers because I want to dedicate more time to the transfer SOG and everything like that. But my boy Mike, um, we're at ATX CFC, asks, Y'all heard about the, the Lewandowski rumors? What's your thoughts on that? Um, and I'll just go ahead and say, even though Lewandowski is a 32 right now, if the, if the fee is not outrageous and we need a striker, I would take Lewandowski in. For a couple of years, to just knock in some goals and everything like that, because these probably he's one of the best strikers of all time, probably by now, and he's he's a bolanda or can, um shafted him. Um, he should have won last year. Um, he could he has he his name will be up there this year. I don't think he'll win it this year though, but um, I if Lewandowski came in for a certain fee, maybe. 50 mil I think is a rumored one I would personally take it if the big three was not an option now if you ask me Danny Ings for 35 to 40 mil or Lewandowski for 50 I'd take Lewandowski (laughs) every day I know it's not guaranteed to be perfect but if you're going to ask me if I want one of the the, debatably the best striker in the world right now for 50 mil I'd say yeah just throw it we're already throwing money as it is to um, other positions so why not? Um, what do you think? Would you take him?
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. We, we didn't pull the trigger on players like Kunaguero and and players like that in the past when the time was right. I mean, he's aging like fine wine. Bring him in.
0: Yeah. He could, he could go the Ronaldo route. He could end up going much older playing as a striker and still kicking ass. So you know mm-hmm. what? Lomonowski I wanted you years ago. I would still happily take you right now. Great guy. I would totally take him. And we're going to wrap up um, this episode with the last question from our boy Kamal, or at Lump of CSC, as you might know him. If we don't sign a striker, do you trust Kai and Timo to lead a title charge, or are we not ready to compete on that front? Um, Andres, um, that's the last question. I will let you yeah. take this one out.
1: Uh, I don't think you expect the Premier League trophy. I don't. I think that without a elite striker, we are third, worst-case, fourth in the premier league man city still first man united with this proper signings second a healthy liverpool probably third and then us because our issue is finishing and even though kai Havertz should be better a full season of timo verner is a wild card right now there is no i don't see how the same group of players magically bang 50 more goals in um You know, when Tuchel got here, we were like top three in every offensive category except goals, chances created, expected goals, everything. So for me, don't expect the league. You can get a trophy through the FA Cup, the Carabao Cup, the Club World Cup. Those, you better believe we will be competing on those because those are, you know, one-off matches. But for 38 weeks, I don't think we'll be the best team in the Premier League unless we solve our goal-scoring issues.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. It, I guess I really want to say I can believe in them, but I guess it is wishful thinking because when you look at it, in this past season we did create loads of chances, and the problem—the problem was finishing, and that Kai Havertz and Timo Werner both have been known to be great finishers. and Everything when they're at their peak, but it is also not guaranteed to get them back at their peak. And you would hope that uh, off offseason with Tuchel, um, just more working with him, it could unlock it. But I guess if it didn't unlock before with Tuchel, why would it now? So I would say no, I guess I would agree. I don't trust them to leave the title charge. Well here's what I say. If it was just them and then maybe Brosion behind, I think we could we could challenge for the title, but we'd probably end up falling short. I would say the best way to ensure a title win is exactly. in a world class. And,
1: and me saying fourth doesn't mean the usual, like go to the final week to get fourth place. Like I truly believe this current squad with a preseason under Tuchel should comfortably make top four. I just think that while we can maybe compete on, on our best day with these guys, like the struggles against the low block and things like that will still happen because to beat those guys, you need to be able to score with your eyes closed. And sometimes we miss an open net from two yards away.
0: Or even inside the on the line. That happened <laughs> once. Yeah. Well, let's just hope that something heats up. I know a lot of people are getting really antsy because there's no transfers happening yet. But, I mean, when you're probably going to have the marquee transfer of the summer, yeah, I'm saying that over <laughs> Jaden Sancho. It's going to come down to the wire. It's going to, you'll probably have Declan Rice join before you have um, a striker join, but I'm also, um, cause I think the club said those two are the top positions. So I wouldn't say you'd only get Declan Rice if you get the striker. Um, but I would say like th- it is a possibility because just because of funds, but I think they're doing everything they can to secure as many funds as possible, just so they can make those two comfortably done. As far as anything else, like a backup keeper, um, I don't see any links right now. Jamie Cummings may be the best bet to being your third-tier uh, uh, keeper or, or being a backup. There's nothing on Keppa leaving right now. Um, everything, as far as outgoings, this has been heard. It's probably been near done, honestly. Uh, uh, the closest thing is Emerson going to Napoli or something, and that's not even a very secure one. But as far as outgoings... The Tammy Abraham ones are all just kind of are just wash. The um the Ross Barkley to West Ham, probably just rumors. There's nothing concrete right now. So um as far as um signings, I think the club's really only trying to address the striker and the in the holding midfielder. Um I still personally think left back needs to be addressed, but I know that's not gonna happen until Emerson and Alonzo probably go, which <sighs> Might not happen till next summer, sadly. But any closing thoughts from you, Andres?
1: We still have a bunch of weeks of silly season, so buckle up.
0: Yeah. What What do we have? Six? Five? Five or six?
1: Something along those lines. Yeah.
0: It's gonna feel a lot longer. I feel a lot longer. <laughs> well, there's one way to keep your way uh, satisfied, and that is tuning into preseason. Or it might just torture you more because um, you think everyone's going to do great and Ross Barkley is going to be the next, uh, next Lampard for us or something like that. Like he does every <laughs> preseason. And then, yeah. All I'm saying is can everybody else watch Barkley at preseason, like all these other clubs and want to sign him? He did good at Villa for a, a few games and then got injured or fizzled out or something. But Yeah. Let's just hope preseason gives us some hope, right, guys? So, and remember that you can, uh, I think Bournemouth is going to be the first match that you can stream on the Fifth Stand app. So go to the Fifth Stand app, start watching your games, um, not sponsored by them, but hey, should be. Yeah, Fifth Stand app, hit me up. I'll take the take check, run me my money. And um, yeah. So thanks, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. Andreas, thank you for sticking around with me for so long. Everything, I hope you have you back on. I'm hoping that the next episode is going to be the Defenders Transfer Saga episode. But we'll see about that. So until then, stay tuned for more. And you know what I'm about to say. Stay true and stay blue.